Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. I want to give you a verse of scripture. I want you to go there with me in Romans chapter 8, verse 11. And I want to kind of lay a little bit of groundwork for this passage of scripture. We all love what it says, and you can say it with me, okay? The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by that same Spirit living within you. And if you go back to the very first part of that chapter, if you actually, actually, if you go back into the seventh chapter, you'll see that Paul was wrestling with himself. He was wrestling with his spiritual nature and he was wrestling with his carnal nature. How many know we wrestle with that? Because we are a spirit, we live in a body, and we have a soul. We are spiritual beings, especially when we're born again by the Spirit of God, our spirit becomes alive. Without that, you're just mind, will, and emotions in a body. Until you're born again by the Spirit of God. And that's basically what Paul spells out right there. He says, no wonder we wrestle between that. Because we're dealing with our mind, will, and emotions. And we're dealing with our fleshly body. And our fleshly body has its own desires. And so we normally will give in to our fleshly nature. Because our mind, will, and emotions are drawn to that. Right? How many like sugar? I love sugar. How many know sugar bad? Sugar not good for you. Sugar put, yeah. Uh, there's an old saying about chocolate, once on the lips, forever on the hips. Y'all know that. But, you know, they're finding out chocolate's really good for you. And I think the person that did that study is the same person that, that probably comes up with all these wonderful chocolates that they put in the Stover's boxes and stuff like that. You know, those samplers, the Whitman samplers and stuff. They're probably the same individual. I mean, they have a side business going. Probably a medical person, you know, a scientist, and they study this. And so they put out this information and say that chocolate is good for you, especially if it's got lots of sugar in it. Because the more sugar we eat, the more we want, right? It, it just, I mean, how many don't like ice cream and cake or ice cream and pie? Oh, man, ice cream and pie, that's good stuff. You know, I, I love apple pie, but what really makes apple pie is when you put some sugar on it. Ice cream, put some ice cream on top of that apple pie. Oh, man, it magnifies, it takes it to a whole new level. And my fleshly nature, my senses are just going, yum, yum, man, this is good. And so the same happens in other areas of our fleshly nature. There are things that feel good to us. Things that look good to us and things that appeal to our nature. And those things cause conflict with our spiritual men. And that's why Paul says, you know, I, I have a desire to do that which is right in the eyes of God. And so, you know, the things that I don't do, don't want to do, guess what? Those are the things that I by nature do. And the things that I don't want to do, because I'm trapped in this body of mine, those are the things that I give into. Though I don't really want to, I do. So he said, in my body, I, you know, I, 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 I serve the flesh, but in my spirit, I serve God, and there's a conflict. So what do I do about this? But then he gives a key at the end of the chapter there, chapter 7. He says, he says, oh, wretched man that I am. I mean, he was in a fix. 
Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of sin? But in the first verse of chapter 8, he gives us a really powerful revelation. He says, because of all of this, and I'm trapped in this nature where I struggle between the flesh and the spirit, he says, thanks be unto God who causes us to triumph in the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, there's therefore now no condemnation unto those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Because if we walk after the flesh, that's death to us spiritually. But if we walk after the Spirit, then that's life and that's breath to us. That causes us to grow and that causes us to be all that God wants us to be when we walk that way and we live that way. So he says that so we should learn to live by the Spirit and not after the flesh because if we, if we give ourselves to the flesh, then we become servants of our flesh. But if we give ourselves to the Spirit, then we have life. And that's what he wants us to have is life. He wants us to live the abundant life. And God has given us the ability to do that, but it's only by the Spirit. And he says this, Paul goes on to say, he said, listen, if you you don't have the Spirit of God, then you're none of His. You don't really belong to God unless you've experienced the spiritual birth. Unless you've been born again by the Spirit of God, then you really don't belong to Him. So you really don't understand how to walk in the Spirit. So no wonder a person who, who doesn't know Christ, who doesn't have the Spirit of God living within them, no wonder they struggle with addictions and things. They don't know how to stop. They can't because they're governed by their physical nature. They're governed by their fleshly nature. And it's only when we are born again by the Spirit of God, Christ comes into us, His Spirit breathes life into us. You know, if you go back to the beginning and we see the creation of man, we see sort of a paradox there between that and the spiritual birth. When God created man, it says that he he took him from the dust of the earth and he fashioned him. He created him in his own image. And then he, he breathed life into him and the man became a nephesh. He became a living soul. When God breathed his life into man, then he gave him a mind, will, and emotions. Up until that time, he was just a lump of coal. He gave him a mind, will, and emotions. And more than that, he gave him a connection with himself because he breathed his very own life into him. But when Adam transgressed in the garden, when Eve was left alone to deal with the serpent, and the serpent beguiled Eve, he he lied to her. And, and, and he tempted her, and he got her to eat the forbidden fruit, which God had said, there's only one fruit, there's only one thing in the garden that you must not eat, and that is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You must not eat the fruit of that tree, because the moment that you do, you shall surely die. And so Eve was tempted, and, and I don't know how long this temptation went on. I'm sure it wasn't just a matter of moments that this serpent comes along and whispers in Eve's ear. I imagine it was day by day by day by day this thing was going on. Because we were created, and we are created eternal beings. Everybody say eternal. Eternal is not time with a beginning and an end. It's not endless time. It's no time at all. It's timelessness. You were created in the mind of God. You were in the heart and the mind of God before you were ever fashioned, before you were ever placed in your mother's womb, before you ever became a living soul. You were in the heart and mind of God. But when we're born, we're born of the flesh. 
Our spirit man still has that disconnect with God. Until we are born again by the Spirit, until we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and new life comes into our being, the Zoe of God comes inside of us, we are still dead. And not only are we dead, we're dead in our trespasses and sins. We don't know how to get away from it. We don't know how to break loose. We can try. And, and listen, folks, I know what it's like to be on that side of, of the struggle. I struggled with it for years. I'd try to be a good boy, you know. I'd try to be a good guy, and I would try to do the right thing. But every time I tried to do the right thing, it seemed like the harder I tried, the worse I fell. Until... August the 15th, 1975, at 3 o'clock in the morning, when I got on my knees and I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ, and something happened on the inside of me where I became born again by the Spirit of God. It was like I had a brand new life, and that's exactly what it was. Old things in my life suddenly passed away. It didn't matter anymore what I had done up to that point. It didn't matter all the perverted things I had ever done. It didn't matter whatsoever, because at that moment, I became a spiritual man. His spirit became alive inside of me. And then, as I began to yield to the Spirit of God, all of these old habits and things began to fall off. And new things began to happen in my life. And you know what? That transformational process is still happening today because every day in the Spirit of God is a new metamorphosis. Every day. That you walk with Christ, old things are passing away. Behold, all things are becoming new. And that's what's so exciting about walking with Jesus is that every day is a new day. And Paul goes on to say, and he says this in, in verse 11. He says, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Everybody say, he lives in me. Lives in me. Not only does he live, not only is he alive, he's alive inside of me. He lives in me. I know he lives because he's here. It's not just something that I think about. It's not just a a theory. It's real. Christ living in us is so real that we're willing to lay down our lives because we know that no man can take away our life. Oh, they can kill this body, but they can't take our life. Because our life is hidden with God in Christ. Because of the spirit that lives within us. He lives within us. That same spirit. I like what the King James Version says about this. It says, if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, he shall also quicken your mortal bodies by that spirit that lives within you. Now, what does that word quicken mean? It means to make alive. He'll make it alive. He'll quicken your mortal body. I'm more alive now than I've ever been. But I want to tell you who's more alive than I am. My mother, I buried her two years ago, three years ago. My father's been dead for 12 years now. But he's he's more alive than we are. Why? Because you can't take their life away because they're hidden with God in Christ. Because of the Spirit of God that lives within them, there is a guarantee. There is, a, there is something that we know, we know, we know because of the Spirit of God that, that when this body is laid in the grave, that the grave has no more victory, death has no more sting. We are just as alive as we were when we were standing on our feet. We're alive. 
the corruptible, sown in corruption, shall be raised again incorruptible. That which is mortal and laid in a grave shall be raised in immortality in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. When the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together. That word caught up is the word harpazo. You've heard of the word rapture? That's where we get it. Harpazo means to snatch away. Woo! One of these days, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, I don't know when exactly, but I know it's going to be soon. The trump of the Lord shall sound. The Lord himself shall descend with a shout. With the trump of God and the voice of the archangel. And all of my loved ones who've gone before me are going to be caught up, snatched out of the graves. And then... In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we're going to join them in the air. I don't know how that's going to happen. Not my problem. I just know it will. God's got it figured out. He said it, and I believe it, and that settles it. So we're going to be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And we're going to be with Him forever. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Now, that's a promise. That's an eternal promise that we can bank on. That's something. Why? Because... Of the spirit of the living God who lives inside of us. That same spirit that was born Elijah. That caught him up in a whirlwind and a chariot of fire. That same spirit that, that, that enabled David to go out and face Goliath and, and bring him down. And, and you wonder how a little 14-year-old kid with a, with a shepherd's sling with a rock in the middle of it could bring down a giant like that. He couldn't in his own strength. But in the power of the living God. He could. He said to that big old ugly giant, he says, you, Goliath, you come at me with a spear and a sword. But I come unto you, I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord God of Israel and the power of the living God. And he gets that thing whirling and he turns it loose. I don't know how far it was. It might only have been a few feet. It could have been 100 yards. I don't know. All I know is when that rock hit him, he went down. And I know that the Spirit of the living God said, let me give that thing a little wind. Pow. Down he went. By the Spirit of the living God. Not in his own power and his own strength. And Jesus of Nazareth, Acts 10, 38 says, And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. How are we going to do what Jesus did by the same Spirit that dwelled in Him, that dwells in us? And because of that, we know that we can do the works of Jesus. Jesus said in John chapter 14, He says, I go to my Father, and it's necessary for you that I go to the Father, because if I don't, then I can't send the Holy Spirit back to you. But He will come to you. I won't leave you as orphans. I will send the Spirit. He will be with you. He'll be in you. He will guide you into all truth. He will be a comforter. He'll be a counselor. He'll be everything that you need. He will give you power. And it says in Acts 1, it said, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, even unto the outermost parts of the earth. What is that word power? It's dunamis. It's dynamite. Everybody say dynamite. You've got it inside of you. You've got the Holy Spirit living inside of you. You've got more power than you will ever need. 
And sometimes we look at someone, they're sick or whatever, and we're afraid to pray for them, and we've got all this power with inside of us. You know, we're just like, like Superman, but we're afraid to tackle these things because we, we think in our own mind that we don't have what we need to get done, what we need to get done, but we do. Jesus said, if we got this power within us, he said, greater things than I do shall you do. Greater things. Everybody say greater than. Not less than. You know the little symbol, greater than, not less than. <laughs> greater, greater things shall we do because he went to the Father. Why? It's because he left something. He deposited something in each one of us. His spirit, the same spirit that raised him from the dead. One thing we have to understand about Jesus, nobody took anything away from him. They couldn't. Remember before he went to Pilate? And Pilate said, don't you know that I have the authority to set you free? And Jesus set him straight. He said, you didn't even have the authority to arrest me. He said, don't you understand? I could call 10,000 angels right now to rescue me. And all it would take was one. Matter of fact, all it would take was his voice. All it would take was for him to breathe. I mean, remember when the, when the, when the, 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 uh, the soldiers came to arrest Jesus? He said, who are you looking for? And he turned and looked at them. They all fell backward. I mean, there's power in Jesus. And it was the Spirit of God within him. But Jesus yielded up himself. He yielded himself. As a matter of fact, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, remember, he was hanging on the cross and and everything had already been accomplished, and he had just a few things to wrap up. And he says, he looks down to one of his disciples, and I believe it was John. He says, John, behold your mother. Mother, behold your son. He says, take care of her, John. Take care of her. And he said, I'm thirsty. Someone heard him say, I'm thirsty. So there was a, a thing of sour wine. So they dipped, a, they dipped a, a sponge into the sour wine and they put it on a hyssop stick and they reached it up to his lips. And Jesus drank some of it. And after he drank it, he said these words, three words, powerful, powerful, powerful words. It is finished. And when he said it is finished, it says that he yielded up his spirit. What does that mean? He could have hung on to it. He could still be hanging on the cross alive today if he wanted to. He could have come down at any moment that he wanted. But he yielded up his spirit. He yielded to the will of his Father. He yielded up his spirit. And when he yielded up his spirit, all that was left hanging on the tree was his earth suit. And I want you to understand something this morning. Look around at each other. You're not looking at the real person when you look upon somebody. I recognize you. I know you to be Mark, Mark. But you're not really Mark. That's just your earth suit. The real you is hidden down inside there somewhere. And this big old guy over here, my little grandson looked up at him one day and he goes, Bear. (laughs) But that's just his earth suit. The real Brian is down inside there. And his life is hidden with God in Christ. And Brian, no worries, brother. No worries. One of these days, this thing that you and I live in, this thing that you look at and 
And you, you, you made comments about, you know, like that big nose and stuff. Yeah. It's not really me. It's just what I walk around in. I mean, this just, this just houses me. It's just an earth suit. Yeah. One of these days is going to be planted. Unless the Lord should come before then. It's going to be sown in corruption. And don't try to dig it up. Because it'll be stanky. It, it won't, I mean, this thing that I live in, this is not the real me. The real me is hidden inside. And the real me that you don't see has its struggles, just like everybody else. We all do. But I want to tell you something. As I yield to the Holy Spirit in the midst of those struggles, I understand what Paul the Apostle talked about in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. In verse 9, I believe it is, when he said that, you know, he was, he was wrestling with something in his own life, the great apostle, and he had this thing, he had this thorn in the flesh. And I believe it was demonic spirits that were always harassing him and buffeting him and causing him trouble everywhere he went. You know, Paul getting trouble. I mean, you would think Paul was the bad guy in class or something. Because every time he turned around, Paul was in trouble with the authorities. He was in trouble with this person. He was in trouble with this religious leader. He was in trouble. I mean, just everywhere he turned. And this, this, these, these spirits were always trying to buffet him. Paul didn't like it any better than you and I do. I mean, how many of us pray sometimes and say, Lord, would you please deliver me out of this? I mean, am I the only one that does that? And we don't like it sometimes when we have to go through things. We would rather to be able to skip over them or go around them. But sometimes God wants us to go through it. And the Apostle Paul realized after a while that what he was going through wasn't because he was a bad person or anything. It really wasn't because of his pride. It was to keep him from becoming proud. Because he had to realize he had to depend upon God. And he says, I learned in this thing. He said, I learned this. He said that when I asked God to remove this thorn from me, here's his reply to me. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is all you need. And my strength is made perfect in your weakness. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. Now, what is his strength to us? The Holy Spirit inside of us. That's where our power comes from. That same spirit that dwells in you, that same spirit that rose Christ from the dead gives us the victory over temptations and troubles and struggles and trials in our life. And we realize when we walk through the midst of those things that we can overcome by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what gives us the grace. That's what gives us the strength. That's what gives us the victory. This is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith, and our faith is in what Christ has done for us. Our faith is in the power of the Holy Spirit. Our faith is, is not in our own strength, in our own confidence. It's our confidence in Him. Jesus yielded up His life. That same Spirit that was in Him, that allowed virtue or power to flow out of His body when He wasn't even looking. And touch a woman who by faith had reached out to him, who had a hemorrhage in her body, who, was, who had an issue of blood, and she had sought the doctors for 12 years with no, no help. She had just spent all of her money going to doctors. Anybody can relate to that? 
You know, and, and doctors are wonderful people, but they can only do so much. And I thank God for doctors and the knowledge that God has given them. But they can only do so much. And this poor woman had spent everything she had. But one day she realized that Jesus was coming by. And she thought to herself, if I can just get close enough to touch the hem of his garment, I know. She didn't say, I believe. She said, I know that I will be made whole. And she did. And when she did, she was. And that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead inside of him Some of that spirit came out of him, some of that power, and touched her. And Jesus said, who touched me? And his disciple says, look around you, Lord. We're in a crowd here. And you ask, who touched you? He says, I know somebody touched me because virtue or power or dunamis strength went out of my body. And he turned and he saw the woman. And she said, I did it. And he says, woman, your faith has made you whole. That same spirit. Jesus made this statement about himself in John chapter 10, verses 14 through 18. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Even as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. He says, I lay it down. And I have other sheep who are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they shall hear my voice. And they shall become one flesh with one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. That was what Jesus said about himself. And that's what he did. He yielded up his body. He gave it up on the cross for you and me. That same spirit that he yielded at the cross dwells inside of us. And that same spirit that left him that day went into the portals of hell. You see, we are a spirit. We live in a body and we have a soul. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And we wonder sometimes, what happened to Jesus when he left his body? What happened to his spirit? Well, it's very clear. It says in Ephesians chapter 4 that, that what does it mean that, that, that he ascended except that he also descended? And when he descended, he led captivity captive, and he set a host of captives free. Jesus went into the portals of hell, and he set free all of those who had been ensnared by the devil years before. All of those who were held in a place as we know of as paradise. Paradise was emptied out that day. And they were taken into the very presence of God in heaven. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house are many mansions. I'm going away and I'll come again. I'll tell you, I'm not lying to you. He said, you believe in my, if you believe in the Father, believe also in me. And he gave us the promises that he was coming back again. That he had gone to prepare a place for us. I believe Jesus went and put the finishing touches on our palaces. Our mansions. And his spirit came back. With the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And when Jesus rose from the grave that morning. On resurrection morning. And Mary the mother of Jesus. Mary Magdalene. All the Marys. Wasn't Peter, Paul, and Mary, just Mary, Mary. <laughs> they went down to the grave site with some spices and things, and they were going to 
take care of the body of Jesus because Joseph of Arimathea had laid him in the grave, his own tomb that was hewn out in the rock. It was cut out into the rock and there was a stone that was rolled up against the grave by the Roman soldiers according to the authority of, of the governing powers that didn't want the disciples to have an opportunity to come and steal the body of Jesus and claim that he had risen again. So it was well guarded. So Mary and Mary and some of the other ladies, they came with some spices to take care of the body of Jesus. But when they got there and they looked inside, there were no soldiers anywhere. The grave site was empty. The tomb was empty. And his clothes, the things that, the grave clothes that they had on him, that they wrapped him up in, were laid neatly, folded inside the tomb. And immediately, they thought what you and I would have probably thought if we hadn't been listening carefully. What have they done with the body of my Lord? What did they do with my Jesus? And all of a sudden, Mary turns around, and there's somebody standing there, and she thinks it's the gardener. She didn't even recognize him. She says, what have you done with the body of my Lord? And he says, Mary. And when he says, Mary, she recognizes his voice. My sheep know my voice. Do you know the voice of Jesus when he speaks? Mary. He said, don't touch me. Don't touch me yet, because I've not yet ascended to the Father. You know, I've, I've got to go back to him, but I'm coming back. Just, just a few days, just hang out. So Mary was so excited, and she and the other Mary went back and told the disciples that they had gone to the grave, and guess what? He was risen. They didn't believe. And a lot of people don't believe he's risen yet, much to their demise. They still have their doubts about a risen Savior. But I know he's risen. How do I know? Because he lives in me. And so they, they go back to the disciples. And so the disciples get all excited. And they go, we got to check this out. So Peter and John and several of the other disciples, they, they go to the grave. And it says in the book of John, I like the way that John writes it, you know. John says the disciple that Jesus loved. He's talking about himself, of course. And he says, you know, they, they run. And so the younger disciple... John, of course, writing about him and Peter. We all like to be the younger. So the younger goes, and he runs in ahead of Peter, and he gets inside, gets to the grave. He looks in, and there's nobody there. And Peter comes, and he goes inside the grave. Peter's a little bolder than him, so he goes inside the grave, and he discovers the grave clothes, and he sees he's not there. And then an angel appears, and he begins to tell them what happened and all this stuff. So they go back, and they're all excited and all this. So we see that the Spirit of God had raised Jesus from the dead, but he wasn't there. But when he came back, it was entirely different. That mortal body that was sown on the cross, when Jesus came back, he had the ability to appear and disappear, to come in a bodily form that people didn't even recognize, though he had walked with him and they'd seen him. And he even came in amongst the disciples through a door that was closed. He could walk through walls all of a sudden. You can't stop a spirit, and it has power. And yet he was in a fleshly body. I don't understand all of that. I don't know understand how all that works, but it is. Because Jesus comes in amongst his disciples, and he says, 
they said, who are you? And he says, don't you recognize me? And then they begin to recognize him, except for one. Thomas said, if I, unless I can see the nail prints in his hands and stick my hand in his side where the spear went in, I won't believe. But Jesus comes in and he says, touch me, Thomas. Touch me. Thomas, look here. Put your fingers in there. Feel that? Yeah, feel right here. Feel that. Yeah. Do you believe now? And he said, Lord, I believe. Master, my Lord and my master, he says. And Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. He said, you believe, Thomas, because you've seen me. And we believe because we see something. There has to be something tangible before we will believe. But I want to tell you something. Look at me. Look. Believe. Believe. This is what Jesus did. And you say, well, if Jesus did that, I don't want nothing of it. But no, you don't understand. I'm not talking about the way that I look on the outside. I'm talking about what Jesus has done on the inside. How he's changed me and he's changed a life that was lost, one that was drug addicted, one that was a pervert, one that was lost, one that was on its way to hell. And he's put new purpose inside of me. How did he do that? By his spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the same spirit that wants to live inside of you. And if you're here this morning without Christ, I want to tell you something. You're still dead in your trespasses and sin. You may try to be a good person, but you can only go so far. Why? Because you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit to change. And there's nothing inside of you that makes you want to change. The only thing that can help you change is the power and the anointing of the Spirit of God. But when the Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead dwells inside of you. He gives you the ability. He gives you the power. He gives you the impetus for change. That's the only way that can happen because if we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh because if we do, then we're not walking in the Spirit. But when we do walk in the Spirit, we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Then we declare and we show to the world that Jesus is alive, that He lives inside of us, and we declare to them that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive because He lives inside me. Take a look. Look. Do you see what Jesus has done? This is the power of the Holy Spirit, and this is the power of resurrection. Thank God that Jesus didn't just die. We have a lot of heroes, a lot of heroes who've gone before us. You know, heroes like Abraham Lincoln, he's a hero. Even Superman, we make him up. We make up heroes if we can't find one. I'm sorry if you, don't, if you believe in Superman. You want to know who he is? <laughs> but he's alive. He lives. He's alive. He lives. You've been listening to Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.